Hey everybody, thanks for hitting that subscribe button and downloading the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button, hit the little bell on the side so you know when all of our videos are going up, whether it be collective gaming, collective podcast, first looks, reviews, and other great, wonderful videos that we have. Also, if you're listening to, to us on any other uh, podcasting apps, hit that subscribe button, take a listen, uh, and thank you for listening, but... Remember, get that leg. What is going on, everybody? It is Collective Podcast here on episode 14. We will be doing our Halloween special having Michael Levy of Fuzz on the Lens Productions. Christian, how do you feel about this? Uh, well, I can't see because I took my glasses off, but I'm trying to get something off of my glasses. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to... I'm do trying you think to... there's a fuzz on that? I think there, I think there is a fuzz. I, I gotta get it off. Hold on. There's fuzz on that lens. But yes, Michael Levy is here on the Now, podcast. what a production that was. Yes, yes, my, my, my poor attempt at humor. But yes... Mike Levy is here. We're going to talk to him all things fuzz on the lens. We're going to talk to him about um, his movie Abnormal Attraction, H60, that the parody of the Halloween trailer. Um, they're, they're uh, as I'm drawing a blank here, hold on. <laughs> they're uh, all their great films. Terrifier. Oh, Terrifier. Uh, we're going to talk to them about, uh, they were on CBS yesterday. So no, I didn't see this yet, so I'm I very did, curious. I did. So talking about uh, their uh, their house, all the decorations, um, what they want to do with them, how they treat everybody, all the trick or treaters, scaring them. We also want to talk about Staten Island Clown. All oh, the classics. Yeah, the classics, all the great stuff. And yeah, he's, uh, we're going to talk to things, all things filmmaking. My, Are you uh, sure all things filmmaking? Yeah, the filmmaker I strive to be, like Levy. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, my film, my filmmaking, one of my filmmaking, uh, idols, heroes, so, uh, when my mom asked me, what do I want to grow up to be, I want to be a filmmaker. You want to be Mike Levy. I want to be Mike Levy, yeah. <laughs> No, really, no, really, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious, I'm not joking. <laughs> uh, they do such, such consistent content. Well, let me just interject a little bit on that, so, I actually went to school with Mike, I went to school with Kyle at St. John's, and... That whole team, including Steve uh, Delasawa, very big part of that as well. They are a dynamic to be reckoned with. They're such an amazing and collaborative group of people who have brought a lot of opportunity to Staten Island in the film industry. So it's an honor for us to be interviewing them, and we couldn't be more excited for it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So, yeah. So, uh, oh, by the way, I saw Halloween last week. Ooh. And um, it'll be a separate separate video, which I will... <laughs> you need its own safe space? Yeah, yeah. As you can tell by the tone of my voice already, how that review is going to go. Oh, boy. Uh, Does that mean we have to wait till Christmas? That means, Jerry, that means a- after we record this, you're going to be sitting across from me, just listening to me, just... And just staring into uh, the abyss. But let's not do any downing, do any downer. We have Mike Levy on. And, uh, happy thoughts, Christian. Happy, happy thoughts, thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Uh, <laughs> next week, next week, 
the big one, Larry Sharp. Oh, the big one. Larry Sharp. He's going to be here. But right, what? My phone went off. But for right now, it's Mike Levy. So uh, let's get to the interview. Let's do it. Let's do it. What is going on, everybody? Collective Podcast here. This is Jerry speaking for episode 14. Christian is actually deciding to share this episode with me finally as a co-host. So, Christian, how does that make you feel before we introduce to Michael Levy? I try, I'll try. i try not to talk over you. <laughs> so, we just wanted to introduce for Michael Levy from Fuzz on the Lens Productions. So, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, and I just found out I'm on the Lucky 14. That's good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Lucky 14th episode. I'm honored to be here in the studio and, uh, you know, chatting with you guys tonight. Jerry Square. <laughs> hey, hashtag Times Square. Yeah, so uh, th- thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on. You you, you were on, uh, I saw you guys were on uh, CBS yesterday. Yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. They saw our, you know, we have a Halloween display at our house, and um, me and my brother's been doing it for, for years now. Uh, it all started with my grandfather and my mother showing us horror movies, and then eventually we built our first little mannequin thing, uh, maybe, oh, maybe like 25 years ago. Uh, oh, with, man. Yeah, with my grandfather. It was a scream. It was basically two wooden stakes, like a cross with a scream outfit on it, and we threw the mask <laughs> from like Party City or oh. wherever. And um, so we had that in the yard a couple times, and then eventually we lit it, and then we started doing more characters, and then eventually it grew into this huge thing. Since my grandfather has passed away, but me and my brother Jason had kind of carried on the tradition of doing it, and now our display is getting bigger and bigger, so CBS came down to, uh, to check it out. And, uh, you know, they asked, why do you love Halloween so much? And I said, what filmmaker wouldn't love Halloween? The very complex questions you get. But it's like, what filmmaker wouldn't? Because, think about it, the essence of Halloween is getting dressed up and pretending to be a character. What's filmmaking? What's acting? Getting dressed up and pretending to be like, wow, it's like the filmmaker's holiday. You know, so the, but it was really fun. It was really cool to, uh, to be on CBS. You should make that pitch towards, like, you know, the administration. Why not make it like a filmmaker's holiday for Halloween? I, I should, I on. should, I should have like a, a, an announcement for that and, uh, and <laughs> how, use it as my slogan. How many of the uh, mannequins do you have, Bob? Now, uh, maybe somewhere between 12 and 15 right now. Oh, boy. You know, and every year we've added one or, you know, and it's not always mannequins or, or life-size stuff that we've added. You know, we've added like little things to tombstones and, you know, little hanging ghosts and stuff. But for the most part, I get a lot of my buddies... Um, that are in the film world to help me, you know, they'll make the face or of the character, or the creature, they'll make an armor, they'll make something pretty cool, and then me and my brother will kind of Frankenstein them together and make them into full oh, nice. life-size busts, you know. Occasionally we'll make something ourselves, um, but for the most part it's basically Frankensteining them from, you know, other people, do a face, do an arm, do a shoulder. A shoulder, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also mentioned that you're going to open up, like you want to open up a museum in the future for everything. Yeah, you yeah. know, that's been a goal of ours um, for a long time originally not many people probably know this but the history if you back up Fuzz in the Lens Productions which obviously is our film company uh, production company uh, before that me and my brother when we were doing it ourselves it was Levy Entertainment and did you do that at St. John's or whatever? I did I, I did it was, it was like time. the transition of changing over you know because the Fuzz in the Lens uh, joke and everything kind of started off and that's really what it was it was a joke in high school uh, with a couple of buddies that, and some of them are actually are in the company now, 
and uh, or form the company. <laughs> Should say in. Steve will be like, "What?" <laughs> no, but Steve uh, will drive over here. Oh yeah, knock on the door. So, uh, but yeah, but uh, it was myself and Steve Delasala and my brother um, and one other friend that uh, is an accountant. Has nothing to do with filmmaking, but. Um, he, uh, he was the one who actually came up with the fuzz on the lens thing because there was a fuzz on the lens and we couldn't find it, we couldn't find it. <laughs> and we got, we're recording, so we're looking at the lens trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And then all of a sudden we realized it was a smudge on the viewfinder. Oh. And, and, and so there was no fuzz on the lens and we were looking like schmucks into the, into the, into the camera lens. So it was an ongoing joke on the sets. Like, uh, you know, can you find the fuzz? Can you find the fuzz? Mm. And, and eventually it just only made sense to name the company that. But, you know, I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent there. The Levy Entertainment thing, that's what we were doing before that. And so back to the museum was that's probably what we'll do with our museum. We'll probably call it like Levy Entertainment or, you know, Fuzz and Lens presents a Levy Entertainment thing. And we're hoping to make it, you know, partially a bar, um, maybe even an old movie theater where we can screen some old films. And then you can do this walkthrough of our life-size, you know, uh, props and mannequins and things. And who knows, maybe we'll have some Fuzz and Lens uh, characters there too. It's kind of smart to keep it mobile at first because if you put too much of an investment on kind of like a residency somewhere right. it could kind of get fabricated after a while yeah. too yeah so it's so, always a better move to at least keep yourself out there and kind of network yourself first before exactly you i mean this is something that'll probably happen way down the road you oh know? Yeah, yeah we still got a fuzzle office we gotta get <laughs> we still, <laughs> you know we we, we want to eventually have a studio and a, and a space to be able to uh to, to shoot and to bring people into so you're things. saying levy entertainment presents jerry square <laughs> there you go <laughs> hey it could happen, you know. We, we are looking right now for some spaces, and uh, you know uh, we're still a little ways out, but we're looking to share some spaces and to get some people in there too for rent and stuff. So keep keep me in mind. <laughs> yeah, well, you have the fuzzmobile, so that's that's we do. That was step one. Yeah, that was step one. Yeah, you know, and, and, and making a trailer at this point. Yeah, it, you know, it was it, the funny thing with that was we. Uh, you know, it really is true. If you visualize something, you can accomplish it. You just got to put it out in the atmosphere. And, uh, you know, it, it was funny. I was just having this conversation with Steve the other day, and it was like, you know, everything that we wanted to do, we're accomplishing, maybe not as fast as we want to accomplish it, but it is being accomplished. You know, we, we spoke about we wanted a red. Oh, we got a red. Now now the red's old. It's like, who cares? Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, well, you know, we wanted to make this movie abnormal attraction. And then all of a sudden, wow, well, we made the movie. You know, so we want to get a truck. And then who, two trucks later now. We had an ice cream oh. truck that was a fuzz and lens oh, truck, wow. oh, which so was the that, one in abnormal oh, attraction. Oh, wow. That was our first truck. And we had that for two, two and a half years, three years. Um, and then eventually we were able to save up. And now we have the real truck we always wanted, you know. So it's it's little by little. So now we're trying to visualize an office. I just wish we would have won the... Uh, the Powerball last oh, night. Yeah. Uh, things would have been easier, right? Don't, don't we all? <laughs> um, so w we all have that that moment, that defining moment that made us want to become a filmmaker. Me, it's kind of it's kind of a stupid story. Uh, I, when I was four, I was in a movie theater. I watched one of the Star Trek movies, and that made it click in my head that I wanted to make films. What what was that moment for you that made it just click in your head like this is what I want to do? You know, it's a hard question for me to answer that fully. I can tell you my inspirations, you know, as a kid, because uh, I always go to the age, oh, I always want to be a filmmaker since I was the age of four. That's because that's the earliest Isn't I can that remember. Your age too? Yeah, it's my age too. That's, yeah. that's my age I can remember, yeah. I guess. Mine's 23. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, it doesn't matter when, yeah. as long as, you know, you figure it out. But uh, 
It might have been, it could have been even before that. So I might even say the womb. I don't know. Because, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of people in my family that were in the entertainment business. My, a lot of people know this. My father was uh, in filmmaking. He was in the Tang commercials as a, as a kid in the mm. 1960s. You know, my Uncle Jimmy uh, did, a, did a couple of things. And he did something with, uh, called From Earth to the Moon with Tom Hanks. You know, my great-grandfather was a composer. You know, my grandfather, it's not film, but it was, he was an architecture, so he drew, you know what I mean? And uh, so I think it was in my family's blood in me just from growing up, you know, it was a, there was this predisposition, you know, to, to do it. Um, but uh, I don't know when it was, I want to be a filmmaker. To me, it was, I always wanted to be a filmmaker. Oh, yeah, me too. And, and my inspirations were, you know, I loved the Halloween movie. I loved Leprechaun. Nobody likes that movie. Watching Dick Van Dyke, you know, yeah. and Mary Poppins and things. And, and I remember being in the play when I was, I think I was like six when I first was playing Bert in Mary Poppins down in, in this play, in this theater in Florida. So, I mean, it was always there. And like I said, some of the a full house was even an inspiration because I was never looking at, you know, uh, oh, this show's entertaining, yes, obviously, but I was always, how did they do that? You know, especially with Halloween, right? The lighting and oh cinematography. And just establishing a continuum with it. Right, and, and you know, and that's what it was. And I, you know, I just named a, a couple things. I, I loved watching Jim Carrey as a kid, you know, just seeing him play different characters. So f when I was younger, I don't know if it was I wanted to be a filmmaker as much as I wanted to be an actor. Mm. Um, very young, wanted to be an actor. And then that kind of changed to director, um, and then it kind of changed to, okay, I want to be a filmmaker, I want to produce, I want to kind of write, I want to direct. Um, and then now it's like, well, I kind of like acting too. So yeah. I, 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 let's not forget about that. You know, high school is when that really kind of changed. You know, because when I was a kid, I was always doing movies and kind of always directing, but I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And that's what I would end up doing. I was just good at it. You know, would I rather be an actor? Probably. You get more of the rewards of it, right? You get mm. more of the accolades. But I, I'm a much better director than I am. <laughs> so. Oh, you're too. Like, or at least acting like a director. <laughs> exactly. I'm good at acting like a director. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love <laughs> you too, Mike. <laughs> it, it, it's funny for me, like, when you said, like, when you were younger about, like, f being, like, an actor and stuff, because I used to come up with all these stories in my head thinking, like, okay, this is what would happen if I was this character, and you would think, like, maybe that would be... Yeah. Why, why you want to be a filmmaker where you're coming up with these characters that you want to play. It c I could, and, you yeah. know, like, I, again, it's just... it's I think just... But for me, it was just such a young age that I wanted to do it. Is and you have these memories that you can't fully because they're not. I guess your brain's not fully formed, or you just it's so long ago or whatever. You're too young that I can't fully pinpoint it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I totally I could I could definitely resonate. With yeah, that. I can't remember any other time that I said I wanted to be something else. Well, I don't know what else yeah. to do. Yeah, that's my that's problem. Me. I, I don't know what else to do. I was yeah. just having a conversation last night. I was at the um, I was at the premiere of uh, Beyond Kepler. And uh, it's a Mike Margeri film, and I was fortunate enough to host it. And uh, it was at the St. George Theater, you know, great venue, great group of people over there, um, you know. Uh, and I was there, and, and I met an old friend that uh, we were just discussing networking, and we were discussing filmmaking and everything. And he goes to me, he goes, you know, he, he goes, Mike, he goes, I got to say it. He goes, you know how to network. He goes, you know how to, you have that drive, you have that passion. He, he goes, you know, you know what you want to do and you just go do it. And I said that, Joe, I says, because I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> I said, I really don't. And I said, so maybe it's just stupidity. I said, you know, and, and he, and, you know, and he, he Sometimes nice the most things, exciting but... thing about doing that type of stuff is figuring out in the moment, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to be able in this business, I mean, it's really any business, but I think this business most of all is you got to be able to adapt. 
you got to be able to think on your feet. you got to be able to, to move and kind of go with the flow very, very quickly because, as you guys know from being on sets, a lot of things can go up in flames oh, yeah. really fast. You can have everything planned out the most beautiful way. You get there and something's going to go wrong. I Show me one film set. Show me anyone. I, I'm telling you that one thing didn't go wrong. I'll say you're lying. I'm telling you something <laughs> went wrong. Wax on over here. Oh, yeah, no. oh my God, please. <laughs> no, Hillsborough, when we did the trailer, uh, we lost the location uh, two days before. Yeah. And luckily, Chris was able to get one of his friends to jump on that. But then on set, that same location, we had um, we had to raise the bed up. And we bought these things off Amazon to raise the bed up. But um, the what was it the legs didn't fit in. Uh-oh. The so luckily, one of, one of the, the set photographer, who was, who was doubling as a PA because he just wanted to do PA work, was but like... But that, that's what's beautiful about yeah. independent filmmaking yeah. is that's how it is. Everyone's helping. Everyone's got a hand doing something. You know, there was one time where I'm directing a scene, but I'm holding the freaking boom mic. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah. You got to make it happen. You got to make it work. Yeah, but he, he goes, I'll be right back. He runs back to his house. Also, my phone's going off. He's FaceTiming me. He goes, I got bricks. Which brick you want? There you go. As he goes, I'm like, me and Chris are that one, pointing out that one. We want that one. So he comes back and we wind up levitating. Like playing Tetris at the same time. Yeah, so right. that's... <laughs> Yeah, not but not everything goes wrong. It does. Yeah. And, you know, I saw a thing. Um, he's going to kill me because I can't remember which, which one it was. Uh, but Matt Provenzano and the Purple Cloud guys, they did, um, and Mike, Mike Robert Anderson, they did a, a movie. Um, major Key? No, was not Major. Key? It wasn't Major Key and it wasn't Idle Mind. It was that one in the middle and it's slipping my mind and I, I, I might get it, I might not. Um, wasn't Colors of Perception, but their movie it was about making a movie. Got it. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, I know which one. But it was about making the movie, and the whole thing, it was so true. You know, I was laughing so hard throughout the whole premiere when I saw the film. And I actually helped them a little bit. Um, and Provenzano always tells me, uh, he says one of the funniest things I ever told him was, we're sitting there, and um, he, he goes, Mike, can you hold a, 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 a thing of water, it's a, a jug of water, and with a flashlight and move it back and forth to simulate fire on the actor's face. Oh, wow. So I'm doing it. And it was a really inventive and creative idea that Matt had had. So he goes, Mike, is there a specific term for the guy that would do that? <laughs> you know, he's trying to learn. I says, yeah, asshole. <laughs> I says, because that's what I feel like right now. This is back and forth. But anyway, that movie, the point was, that movie captured, uh, Matt's movie captured 100% what it's like in making a movie um, behind the scenes and the whole process. There was so many things, and there was a line in there, it's like, you know, it's a film set. What can go wrong? And the guy goes, well, everything can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's a film set, you know? Well, there's, there's a movie that came out, I want to say like 18 years ago, in like 2000, called Age of Oblivion. Okay. And that's all about like the behind the scenes of just filmmaking. Peter Dinklage is actually in it, and I never realized <laughs> that was one of his first roles. And I'm like, is that Peter Dinklage? I was watching it. And it's just everything could go wrong on a film set. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Food, food was bad. Just uh, who, you know. And now it's who's a vegetarian, who's, oh, yeah. who's got <laughs> dietary problems, who's, who's this, who's, who's, who's that. Who's gluten-free. Who's gluten-free. Who's gluten-free. You know, there's always that figuring it out. But that's also kind of fun. Not not figuring out lunch. That's always, that's always a nightmare. But the fun, the fun part is figuring me, out. The fun part is figuring out, like, you know, if a problem goes wrong and, and you know, shot-wise or something, it's... That coming together and, and you know how can we get this done uh, efficiently and as quickly and as smoothly as possible because we didn't have this plan to go this way at all. So in the end, if you're able to accomplish it, which most good filmmakers can, you know we all we all went through it. Um, that's really so I think more special than yeah, accomplishing some of the stuff that you didn't plan. So what was? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sure. I wanted to ask just a quick follow-up question towards like how your family helped kind of build you in terms of like your film stuff. 
So when you first started out in some of your earlier projects, like high school and things of that sort, who was the first person in your family you went to for like advice to make like things happen? My mom, actually. Uh, my mom has been one of the most, my whole family, really. Everyone in my family is very supportive. But my mother was always there um, as the biggest cheerleader for me and for my brother Jason. Um, because it was me and him. You know, my other brothers aren't really into the film stuff. Um, they helped when they were younger, but as we got older, they kind of went out of it. Who wanted to do sports? Who wanted to do this? Who wanted to do that? Um, who rather go to the bar? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was my mom who really um, helped me throughout my entire life. And she still does. You know, I've had great support from her. And it was her camera that we had first used. Oh, really? To make, yeah, it was. It, we stole her her home movie camera. And, uh, you know, she used to do home movies all the time. And then eventually, there's no more home movies, I think, after 1995 or 6, because we hijacked <laughs> the camera. <laughs> and we started, you know, shooting our own stuff. And then, uh, you know, we broke that. She got another one. We stole that one, broke that one. She got another She was, like, done buying cameras. <laughs> we just kept taking them. What, um, what, cam what type of camera was it? Oh, these were the old. Well, the first one, I don't even know what it was. JVC was like the big one that you put oh, over the, your shoulder the, with the actual VHS that I, you put I in. I still have one. So we had all oh, those are awesome. Oh, I still so have we it, started yeah. with those. I'd love to see that. Okay. We started with those, and then she ended up getting the other one, which was I guess they were Panasonic's or whatever the hell they were, and they were the little the, mini DV cameras. The VHS, the VHS little mini. No, the mini DV ones first. Oh, where no, when you click it, you pop it open, you stick it in oh, the tape, you close it. And then it turns it into something. Then I had the uh, the VHS the, the ones. little yeah those ones. Yeah. And then then eventually uh, it turned into like the Canon uh, GL two. Uh, That's going back right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. back than the first camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever they HVX were. HVX one hundred and seventy. Well, I know I'm, I'm kind of jumping around with these cameras yeah. here, but yeah, there was uh, some of these old 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 cameras, and we still have we still have two of the first ones that we had bought. Uh, from Fuzz and the Lens because our, our camera started off with a Canon I think it was the Canon GL2 then it was the Panasonic um, it was a Panasonic I can't remember what, what, what it was but it shot on P2 cards I still, yeah I still, I, still, I still got the camera we got the, <laughs> I got those two so I had the Canon the P2 one the, the Panasonic and then we, we, have, we had a Sony the Sony we actually still use on the run and gun shoots because it's still you know we got to upgrade that now it's been a while but then, then obviously the red you know, but you can't bring the red to do interviews in the city. It's just a pain in the ass to yeah, it's too build it in at home, yeah. So, you know, and then obviously you got the DSLRs and stuff. But, mm. uh, you know, those we still have those cameras. Maybe one day we'll put them in a case or something in a museum to fuzz on the lens, if, any, if anything. <laughs> this, are the, this is the camera that they used when... Uh, yeah, when, when there was a fuzz. <laughs> when the I smudged on the viewfinder. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still there. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to kind of uh, ask because we're on the subject of like a lot of change and a lot of adaptation throughout time. So now being that you're, you just did your Halloween trailer for, you know, Halloween 60, what was the biggest like difference from doing that now and then doing your first endeavor on it in 2012? <laughs> so, uh, to catch everybody up, what that is, is so in 2012, um, Trankus International Films, which is the company that owns Halloween, and uh, HalloweenMovies.com ran this film festival. And they said, you know, filmmakers make a, um, uh, a Halloween film of your own, and it's going to be like whoever makes the best one wins a prize or something. Uh, and then this, just to jump forward, and the Halloween 60 thing is a parody, shot-for-shot shot reenactment of the new Halloween 2018 movie that's coming out, except we kind of spoof on it 20 years from now, 2038's the year. Michael Myers is 81 years old, 
and uh, he's still going at it, you know. But the, your question, to answer your question, I just want to give a little background. Oh, sure. to, to answer your question with it, is the it was it was kind of like a weird reunion. First of all, going back and doing it. Um, because we had we do our own stuff now, you know, we do our own content. And but when we did the original Halloween Awakening, that was such a fun time in our lives. That was t- 2012 when we did that. So it was we a while. Yeah. Together. yeah, so it was a long time ago. Um, and just to have Jason back in the mask, even though he was playing an old, much older <laughs> version, I, I love it was mask. like a weird reunion of our own. Like you know, the new real movie—it's 1978, and then 40 years later, it's like you get Jamie Lee Curtis back and and John Carpenter back, and all of those people back. For us, it was almost like the same thing, even though we didn't have our cast from, well, full cast from Halloween uh, Awakening. I saw Mike Carone who the night before uh, we released it. And it was we were telling him about it, and he was you know laughing about it. It's like oh, anything I could do to promote it and whatever. So it was like this weird little uh, nostalgic thing for us. The difference in shooting it was definitely the lighting, because when we shot Halloween Awakening, we had only three lights. We had a three lighting kit, and there were LEDs that were just blue color temperature. That gotcha. was it. Um, and they were little icons. And then this one, we had our whole fuzz and lens arsenal. Also the camera, we shot that one with the Sony right when we first got it. We didn't even know how to use the freaking thing. The Halloween. <laughs> Awakening was the first time we had used that camera, which kills us a lot of times because we realized we could have made it look a lot better. <laughs> um, but we kind of just dove right into it. And then this one, we're using the red. So obviously that was a lot uh, a lot different, you know, to do. But, I mean, it was just... The only thing I could say about the whole thing, it was a, like a weird kind of flashbacky, nostalgic, reunion-y kind of thing in a way uh, to visit it. And we're huge fan, Halloween fans, all of us. So that was fun just to, to do. So out of everybody in your crew, who do you think has seen the most of the Halloween franchise? Probably me. Probably mm-hmm. me. Um, it, Jason's close. Jason might. J- Jason could be equal, um, but probably me, just because I just watched them recently the other night, and I might. I want. Jason wasn't there, so I might have one up them right there. <laughs> um, but you know, that's I, why he came on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. You you've watched more Halloween movies, Mike. You're on <laughs> uh, for the Halloween show. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, probably me, and that was just because, again, it was one of my inspirational movies. Uh, I remember watching it with my mother and my grandfather uh, as a kid, and, you know, I, I've always enjoyed that film. Uh, I don't know why, you know, it's just sometimes yeah, right. we, just, we just, you know, like things, and, and maybe it reminds us of a time when we were younger, I don't know. But I've always liked that character of Michael Myers. I like Jamie Lee Curtis, love Donald Pleasance, and... And, uh, you know, so I can watch those movies over and over again, especially around Halloween time, because it just brings you back to when you were a kid watching these movies, and you just feel that nostalgia, you feel that. And I think that's what the new movie does. You know, it makes you feel nostalgic, and it's a movie made by the fans, and that was the whole marketing ploy, that was their whole thing, and that's what they did. And staying on the subject of Halloween, in a general overview, I have a scenario for you. Okay. So let's say you take the premise of all of your costumes you've done as fuzz on the lines. Like, anything that's come to mind and stuff like that. What does Mischief Night look like for you guys if you were to put all your costumes, like, back, and what would you guys be doing? <laughs> so we were, if we were to go in the basement and pull out every one of our costumes and just roam around, what are you going to see? That's your yeah. question? <sighs> well, for one, you'd see you see that old vintage costume, the one, the first one that comes to mind. You know the baby, the, the baby with the old woman thing? Oh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> you definitely would see that, you know. Uh, but if you're talking movie stuff, not... Well, here's a funny thing. One of my coolest costumes that i got to find a way to use, and it's like the most cheapest, corniest costume, is a giant raisin. <laughs> <laughs> there is a skit somewhere in the bowels of Fuzz on the Lens Records. 
that we had did that we had done where we put the camera up. We used to call it bartender tales, and it was just to test our improv skills and just to we were bored. You know, sometimes people go out when they're bored. They go out and they drink. People smoke pot. They do drugs. Whatever. Uh, they go get get girls. You know, we filmed in our basement with costumes, <laughs> uh, and we put this camera up. And there was a lot of us. There was about six or seven friends, and, you know, Steve was there, me, Jason, and what we would do is we called it Bartender Tales, and we'd have one person as the bartender, like a Saturday Night Live skit, and we'd have to come in as a new character each time. Oh, nice. And, you know, but we can't stop. It's like it's live. And we had so many fun characters in one of these characters, and we'd go in the costume room, we'd have to put something together, makeshift it, and just come out. But you have to do it so quick because the camera was rolling, you know, you, you, it, like we were pretending we were on Saturday Night Live. And uh, one costume Jason came out was a giant raisin. We hated the the skit that he did, right? At the time, we hated it. We ripped on him so bad. It's like, you're supposed to be king improv, right? You're supposed to be so funny. This was one of the worst things we have ever seen. Lo and behold, we went back and revisited the footage about six years later. Oh, my God. It's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life. It's the past of time. It really, I couldn't believe it. He walks, he's, he walks in, and, and, and I don't remember who the bartender was. He goes, what the hell are you? He goes, I'm a fucking raisin, motherfucker. <laughs> and, and he just, this voice and this whole thing, it was so funny. Uh, what he was doing, I don't know what I don't know what was the problem back then. We just didn't know funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, but if if you're talking our own, if our own movies are what would be happening, you'd definitely have the Bigfoot from Abnormal Attraction. You'd have Finbar, uh, oh which God, is played Finbar. by Jason from Abnormal. Be like, yeah. the, be like the leader. Oh my God! I mean, just from I could just alone, we could do just on Abnormal Attraction. It's a monster movie. You guys know you've seen it. Comedy monster movie that we did, uh, Malcolm McDowell, Gilbert Gottfried, and Tyler Maine, and Leslie Easterbrook, and Bruce Davison, and you know so many other talented, great people. I'm sorry if I'm leaving anybody out, but uh, that movie alone had like 62 monsters in it. You know, all different costumes, it's all different. Else. You know, and it was a fun movie, and uh, but we have all that stuff. So you know, our mischief knife would night, our mischief night would be pretty interesting. Mm. So with the bar stuff, are you pretty much putting a call out for Griff's uh, place on Newdorf? There you go. Yeah, Griff's place. Go visit Griff's place. Have a new uh, commercial coming out for it. Yeah, we had fun with that commercial. You know, Griff's a great guy, um, and we shot that commercial for him. Uh, it was his idea, actually, the the Beer Wolf and uh, Coors Light. He pitched it to Coors Light many years ago. Oh, really? And uh, they didn't take it. I don't know why. That's such a brilliant idea. So when, when he told us about it, I said, screw it. We'll make it for the bar. We'll do it for here. You know, we'll, we'll tie Coors Light in because obviously it's a silver bullet. It makes sense. But uh, we'll do it. He runs that every day uh, at the bar. Oh, they wow. have it on the TV. So it's funny. Every time I'm there, I look up and I see it. And I say, oh, you know. But, uh, yeah, Griff's Place is cool. Everybody check it out. New to play. I seem to remember. Did you do, like, uh, one of those Super Bowl um, we did. contests? Yeah, we yeah. did uh, a long time ago. That's actually, that day uh, is a is a interesting day in Fuzz and the Lens history. Which, because that's the day I met Rob Privatera. Oh, wow. Who is now a part of the company, and uh, you know he, he he writes for us, and um, you know he's starting to get into some producing now. Um, you know Rob's a great guy. He's uh, went to school for marketing, and um, you know, uh, but really really good writer. So that day we had met him. We did a Super Bowl commercial for Doritos. It was, and uh, we just kind of put it together quick, and we did like a high school game where. Uh, you know, uh, these two announcers are basically one announcer is over talking the other announcer. <laughs> you know, kind of like you and Jerry. And, uh, <laughs> no, but one announcer is constantly interrupting the other announcer, keeps and then finally he throws up a bag of Doritos to shut him up. You know, <laughs> so it was a cute little idea. But that little day is why we met, uh, is how we met uh, Rob Privatera. Hmm. 
Awesome. Interesting little side. Yeah. It's, it's funny how you meet people just doing stuff. Yeah. It is. It is very, and, and you know, because he pitched, he pitched us a really funny idea. It's, I don't know if you guys seen the thing on YouTube covering the spread. Uh, it's so. probably one of our most controversial skits on the internet. Um, a lot of women don't like it because it's uh, takes place in a gynecologist's office shot. Yes, okay, yes, I saw that the one, POV yeah. of oh, between okay. the legs. And yeah, we did I it with a GoPro one. and we shot it in a real gynecologist's office. And we have Vic DiBattetto, the uh, the comedian. Oh, that's uh, always bread and milk, and and it was right before the whole Staten Island clown thing happened. Um, but Rob had pitched that idea to us. And I thought it was genius. I said, this is so funny. We have to do this. So within the Doritos commercial, about two days later, we're shooting that thing. And it was because Rob pitched it to me right there. I, I saw that. I was on the floor. Yeah. I was on the floor. It's funny. It's funny. You got some women that are like, oh, this is funny. Get over. It's just a joke. And I'm like, oh, it's so disrespectful. <laughs> it's like, so distasteful. Yeah. It's like they look like one another. It's it. like, relax. I mean, you know, we're, we're not trying to insult anybody. We're just having fun. We didn't show any faces. We didn't say anything. <laughs> Too bad. I, guess. I hope. <laughs> if you're not offending someone in comedy, then you're not really doing exactly. comedy. Exactly. Craig said it best too on that. Oh too. yeah, yeah. yeah. Stand on a clown is interesting because, like, I when it when it was happening, I kind of had an idea. Might like I didn't know it was you guys. I had a feel like it might have been someone from the island, mm -hmm. but that got that got. Yeah, that did that a lot. Big. That did a lot for us. You yeah. know the 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 clown thing. Um, we just had a stupid idea at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. A friend of ours said, it'll never work. It was me, Jason, and one other friend. And Steve obviously was included on and the other fuzz guys. But uh, the, there was one friend in particular who says, it'll never work. It'll never work. Never going to happen. About two weeks later, he calls me up crying on the phone laughing. So, it worked out and it worked. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, Who did you call? Yeah, but uh, the Staten Island Clown thing. Um, and not to beat a dead horse, because we all know the story. We went out there, and we put a clown. It went viral. And um, what it did do for us, which a lot of people don't know, is it got us some funding for Abnormal Attraction. And that's really why we did it. You know, we wanted to put Fuzz and the Lens's name out there nationally. We wanted to try to make a splash. We wanted to entertain people, too, and say, hey, you know, just like with Halloween 60, we can cause a disruption in this world. We can force ourselves through the door. You know, we can make a splash. And that's kind of what we did with uh, the Staten Island Clown. That's what we continually try to do with different projects. Um, and and it got us some funding for Abnormal Attraction. And that's why we were able to make that film, too. Yeah, because everybody's got a little bit of a fear of clowns. Yeah, and I learned that a lot during the, uh, <laughs> the Staten Island Clown thing. You know, yes. Oh, yeah, when you went to... Um we're at Z100. Z100, yeah. Yeah, Danielle was She was freaking out. And Chet was, that was real. <laughs> yeah. That was real. Oh, yeah, because she is afraid of clowns. Petrified, yeah, that was real. So it was, uh, it was really interesting. See, no, the reason why we picked the clown is because we had an idea. We knew there were people who, uh, they're called chlorophobics. Yeah. Uh, we knew that there were people who were afraid of clowns, and we knew that there were people who were just, ah, it's just a clown, you know. And we said, okay, this is a controversial topic. That's the thing. If you put something controversial on the internet, you're going to get people to respond. Because oh, yeah. you're going to get people agreeing, you're going to get people disagreeing, and they're going to fight. So the clown topic was a perfect thing to do because you'll get these two groups, you know. The only probably uh, only other thing that's more controversial than clowns at that time was probably something political. Exactly. You know, and, uh, but we put that out there, and then they started arguing, and it was, able, it was able to just take steam and take off on its own because we didn't have to do much at that point because the world was doing it for us. I guess you got to be a plastic straw now. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, my God, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did that as a joke on Facebook. I took a picture of myself drinking from a straw and got – and people were just on top they of me. I'm like, I'm just making a joke. <laughs> like. But um, speaking of that normal attraction, you know, me and Jerry – 
Saw it twice already. Loved it. Thank even you. more both times. Both times even... Liked it even better the second time. There you go. Uh, I know what you meant. <laughs> yeah, as, I, as I'm flopping my words. But um, what was, like, what was the, con- the conception of it? Like, so, you know what's funny is we do these... Um, we do these conventions. We go to these conventions. You know, uh, me and Jason being horror fans. Uh, Steve's not really a horror fan. Um, he gets that. He gets why they're you know uh, attractive to, to people. I think he's the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, but <laughs> he he. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he's not a horror guy. But uh, we were at this convention, and there was all these uh, attractive girls walking around in in like really bloody outfits and stuff. And he and he starts looking. He goes, you know. Which is weird that he was the one who kind of came up with the whole concept at first. Uh, he goes, you know, it's it's interesting. He goes, you know, there's fetishes in the world. People have feet fetish, you know, uh, di- people have different kind of sexual fetishes, whatever. And he goes, and people that are into these horror movies, they find these girls attractive. Like, that's a good-looking girl, he goes, that's in there. But she's covered in blood, and she looks like <laughs> death. It's like, but there's something sexy about it, and he got that. So he says, what if there was a counseling meeting for these people who were into real vampires and zombies and things uh, because it was an, a, a, a weird attraction, an abnormal attraction. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, then we started spiraling these jokes. And the whole thing was abnormal attraction uh, was originally a short. And it was to star. We were working on getting Robert England, um, who had read the script, the initial short, and really enjoyed it. And I just worked with him on Fear Clinic. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of phone calls. Another great movie. And, uh, yeah, and we, had, we had a couple of phone calls. And, um, you know, uh, Robert was talking about maybe getting it to Andy Sandberg's people and, you know, different things. And he got it. He understood it. Eventually, we turned it into a feature because it was on that Fear Clinic movie. A friend of mine, um, three friends of mine, actually, that were on that movie said, you know, you're kind of wasting your time doing a short. If you want to do something and you want to you know be a, a filmmaker that's going to make money that you could continue having this as a career do a feature just do a feature just do it so after a while especially if you're going to put that much time and effort into it you know and you're going to get a robert england or, oh, yeah. or someone you know so says you got to go for the feature so finally we said okay how can we make this a feature but without ruining what we have that we know people already like Eventually, we came up with the idea of three parallel storylines, so we can, you know, kind of bounce back and forth between the three of them, and that's that's how we were able to keep our initial short, which was the the first part. Um, and then eventually, scheduling changed with Robert, and but we were blessed because we ended up getting Bruce Davison, who was unbelievable. And at this point in time, I cannot see anybody yeah, else playing Doctor Cole. It. Oh my God! It just shows you how, yeah, no, I... how things fall into your lap. How how did we get Bruce Davison, Academy Award nominated actor? You know, how did, how, how did it happen? You know, but it just goes to persistence and good story, good script, and, and having the budget. That always helps, <laughs> you know, and being able to make that. But again, it's planning ahead. And the Staten Island Clown, you get the budget, you know, and, and you just roll. And that's kind of the little conception story of Abnormal Attraction. Yeah, Robert England, like, that would have been that would have been awesome, too. Especially picture you and him next to each other. Oh, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> well we're, we're trying. We'll yeah, see what we can alike. do. You know, I... I, I it's always been a dream of mine to, to I, again, I did work with Robert on the Fear Clinic, you know, but it would be a dream of mine to, to really get to work with him, you know, as directing and stuff. And hopefully we, we have some projects uh, we might go out to him with, um, you know, just waiting for, again, the funding and the right moment. Um, and maybe we can make that happen. But if not, he's, you know, he's a great guy and, and you know, I it's always fun to see him. Uh, whether it could be him or any other actor that you work with. Now, I, now I'm sure you're not going to be one to drop so many gems on this. But what was the best time? Uh, like, what was the best inside joke that you could share with us between one of the actors that you work with? 
Like, what's kind of like a bonding thing that you like? You have like an inside joke with with people. <laughs> I can tell you the experience, but I'm I won't. I can't say the jokes. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, just because I I I, I don't. <laughs> I just don't want to air that out, you know, in a sense. But I'll tell you the experience. So, I was in Georgia, and we were shooting a movie called Penance Lane that's coming out soon. Great. Tyler Maine uh, produced the film. He's in the film. We produced it, Fuzz and Lens. And um, we're in the hotel, and we're sitting with Dan Roebuck, who most people probably, you know, especially our age, would know him um, from Lost. He was also the partner of Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. He's on the new Geico commercial, Hoy Hoy. He's the one on the, the that's interrupting Alexander oh, okay. Graham yeah, Bell. Yeah, yeah. He's interrupting the guy on stage. That's uh, Dan Roebuck. And, and there's a plethora of, you know, other great things that he's done. So he's there, and we're talking with him, and he's a huge horror fan too. And in comes John Schneider, Bo Duke from the original Dukes of Hazard. Oh, he's wow. on Dancing with the Stars right now. And uh, he's doing pretty well. So they're both in the film, and they're both icons in television history, right? Because Danny was in the Matlock stuff, and obviously uh, John was in the Dukes of Hazard. And the conversation that took place between the two of them, taking funny jabs at each other, <laughs> you know, and their careers, uh, was I just sat there, I felt like I was in a moment of entourage. Where like I'm like, is this really happening right now? Like I'm in the middle of two really well known and established and great actors kind of poking fun at one another, and, you know, in a lighthearted, fun way. And I remember me and Kyle Mullins and my brother Jason. I mean, it's just an opportunity like, to play turtle, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, right, yeah. So uh, he'd be perfect. But you know, we're just looking at each other. Like I couldn't believe where I was at that moment, and I was involved. I was like, they were. I was there. So that was one, that's definitely the go-to, um, you know, kind of insidey joke thing. That uh, happened. That's cool. That's um, so uh, with the normal attraction, what's the plans for for it now? So uh, we haven't officially announced it, but I'll announce it here. So you're actually the first Scoop. group of guys here. <laughs> yeah, you're getting an exclusive. We got distribution. Nice. And, uh, yeah, we got distribution. We haven't announced. Thank you. We haven't announced it yet because we're waiting for the rollout marketing plan that uh, we're meeting with our distributors uh, in November. And we're going to talk to them about a rollout and a layout. And, you know, we just didn't want to announce, say, hey, we got distribution. Everyone says, well, where can we buy it? Oh, I don't know. Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, where, or, or where's the link? Crickets. You know, so we wanted to kind of hold that information back. So this way we can just kind of supply everything at once. And then everybody can go pre-order or at least know when they can pre-order. So um, we're in November. We're discussing when exactly. And all the platforms. I know some of them already, but I can't disclose those ones. But uh, yeah, we got distribution, and it will be sooner than later when everyone can get it and see it. Um, but in the meantime, they can see something else that we're a part of currently, which is Terrifier on Netflix. Yes. You like that transition? That I segue? love that transition. I can do this you, you, podcast thing. You should work for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, so, so Terrifier. So speaking of Terrifier. There you go. So uh, off air, we were talking about you just came back from... The, the 40th anniversary Halloween convention and you saw a whole bunch of Terrifier stuff like that's that's it got pretty big like it blew up pretty fast it, it really did yeah. and, that's, and that's a testament to uh, Damien Leone and that's the director of Terrifier and uh, Phil Falcone what a great producer. name for a horror it is. movie director it is right <laughs> yeah. it really is and, uh, and, and Damien is one hell of a special effects artist one hell of a director one hell of a guy really really good guy genuine guy I'm so happy for him and everything you know this was a long road for him. Uh, he started off with it as a, as a part of a short and anthology series called All Hallows Eve, you know, and then 
then he was in post-production a while with uh, Terrifier and shooting it, and they were changing things, and now for it to finally be out and doing the things that he knew it could do is really awesome. And, and for his partner, Phil Falcone, who's a really, really good friend of mine also, um, it's just great to see. We were in Pasadena, you know, last week at the Halloween 40 convention, and uh, we were there promoting Halloween 60, our YouTube uh, spoof parody on Michael Myers. <laughs> and a lot of people have seen it, which was really cool. We could talk about that. We sat down with Malik Akkad and, and a oh lot my of those God. guys. Awesome, awesome experience. Great guys. The great son guys. Of the and, yeah, he's great. <laughs> and, um, you know, his partner Ryan and uh, Freeman, and, and we met Ryan Turk from Blumhouse. And, you know, all of them had seen it. They loved it. They were raving about it. They took pictures with the mask. They, it was cool to see and be a part of. Um, but we were there at the 40th convention and we're seeing so many Terrifier stuff. So I was blown away just looking at it. And then fans of the movie were coming up to me and my brother and they were saying, you're in the movie, can we, can we take a picture with you? Can we get your autograph? And I was, yeah, sure, you know. And they're like, how much do you charge? And I'm like, no. <laughs> 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 I'm like, guys, right. wait till my next movie, Yeah, yeah, please. yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, but we were glad to take pictures with them. Some really great, passionate I mean, this in the horror community, especially the fans, are so great. They're so passionate. Well, the yeah, drawings that I've seen oh from my God. you guys, yeah, that's one of the most remarkable things. They really love it. You know, listen, I'm a guy, I love two genres. I love comedy and I love horror. Um, both of them got great fan bases, but the horror fan base really, I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're not just knowledgeable in horror films, though. They're just knowledgeable in every film. They know everything and anything about all different movies. You know, the only one that I think could challenge them, I guess, is maybe the comic book fans. Right. You know, and, and some of those Comic-Con guys. But uh, they're so good. They're so passionate. They're so devoted and dedicated. And it was really cool to be a part of it. Really cool to see because, in a way, some, one of the fans says to me, he goes, you know, we're here for the Halloween 40th convention. And you got these actors here who did this little unknown movie, Halloween at the time. And here they are 40 years later, like Icon stars. The guy goes, that's happening with Terrifier. And I sat there and paused, <laughs> and I was like, if I get to come to a Terrifier convention in 40 years, I said, that'll be something else. Huh? Yeah, right. Oh my God. I'll have my own little booth. Hopefully, at the time, uh, Abnormal Attraction 2 will be coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Myers will be like 121. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because so. I've seen on Facebook, like, a lot of, like, the, uh, the horror-based websites are writing about it. I saw one, there was an editorial just writing about is Art the Clown going to be in that top tier with Leatherface and Michael Myers and Freddy and Jason? He, he like, could be. He yeah. could be. I mean, I don't know if he's there yet just because all those ones have sequels, right? Yeah. And uh, But I think he's on his way. I think Damien created an unbelievable character. I think um, uh, the way he just looks and everything is, is just unbelievable. And I think David, who's the actor who plays Art the Clown, I think he did a tremendous job as Art. Um, I think he knocked it out of the park. I think the sky's the limit for him and, and Terrifier. And, and I just call, I called Damien when I was out there telling him about everything. I said, you know, I just hope – I got my head chopped off. We all know this. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, by now, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. Uh, and if you haven't, you should to see how my head actually comes off because it's pretty <laughs> damn cool. But uh, I called Damien and says, you know, we got to find a way to get me in the sequel now. I says, you know, I may be dead, but you got to – come on, bring me back, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> but – you know, um, they really got something cool, and and I think if it hasn't already, which I think it has blown up, it's going to go even further. I really do. Yeah, because it, it was one of the most talked on Netflix. It's trending. It was like in the top five or ten. Yeah, trending on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, trending on yeah. Netflix, and I think um, as someone I'm sure will correct correct me if I'm wrong, and if I'm not, it, it sounds good. Was uh, I think it was like one of the most watched things in October. Yeah. On Netflix. Oh wow. Yeah. Mm. 
That's so, already so that's why so that's why Iron Fist and Luke Cage got canceled. Everybody <laughs> yeah, it was all <laughs> terrifying. Art actually went and slit their throats. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that's what happened. Yeah. Or, so Dave, or, David's doing overtime on yeah. that. <laughs> he's, he's killing the competition. Yeah, so terrifying yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so which, by the way, uh, for those of you that don't see. It's just Mike's head is talking. His whole body, they actually chopped off his head. They did. They did. They didn't have the budget to uh, to fake it. So yeah. it's actually just my head on a stick right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Who am I talking to that? <laughs> That's the biggest question I gotta ask. Uh, exactly, yeah. Who's underneath uh, controlling the puppet? <laughs> exactly. But do, do, do you have the... The, the head? head? Or, or I have a copy of the head. Okay. <laughs> I don't have the head because uh, it was promised to a producer investor... Um, so I and I think the guy and again I could be wrong is in the UK. Mm. So my head could be in in England uh, on some guy's mantle. <laughs> uh, hopefully you know. Uh, hopefully it's a warm fireplace and uh, it's a nice house that it's on. But uh, I wanted it and Damien was like, well, we we have to give it to the producer. <laughs> uh, but he was kind enough to make me a bust uh, so of a copy of it. So I have it. I just it's just bald. It doesn't have any hair. Mm. So I have to get the hair put in. Um, but eventually I might do in, in our Halloween display maybe next year I'll do a Terrifier thing with uh, him holding my head or something <laughs> there you go right yeah. So, uh, yeah so kind of to go off that too now you mentioned about the distribution which is a big kudos for how you're going to end off the year and for the new journey that you're going to take for next year so what are like the what are like the newest things that are going on for you that's going to kick off 2019 wouldn't you like to know dunk 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 listen we got we got a couple of films that uh, are ready to go. Um, two films that are really ready to go that are horror and thriller, which, again, we have so many friends in the horror industry. Um, we want to capitalize on that. We want to. We have a great fan base um, that likes some of the horror stuff we're doing, so we want to you know, give them what they're asking for. Again, if I could do comedies forever, I'd, I'd do that too. You know, anyway, I do dramas too. We do have comedies and dramas written. It's just the two horror ones right now are the most ready to go, one of which does have some funding into and the other one's teetering on some funding. So once we round out the budgets on those, then the goal is to start shooting and, yeah, uh, and get another movie going. You know, it's been too long. I've been living with Abnormal Attraction, we've all have, for way, way, way too long. And that was just because it was a very ambitious film with a lot of uh, CGI and, and monster effects and... Uh, it was a lot of things that we had never done before. You know, we got the movie colored by Technicolor, and um, you know, just the sound design and the mix was very, very, very overwhelming because there was so much magical elements and sounds we had to make up. Um, so this movie, the next two, will be a little dialed back. And, uh, <laughs> you kind of got it after, after you know, and um, <laughs> kicking it old school. Yeah, and what and what we've done, but uh, we think we have some pretty cool, fresh ideas. Um, things that have never been done. One could definitely be a franchise, and uh, we think it is. It's got great marketability. And uh, I was just on the phone with uh, a friend of mine who's from the Halloween franchise, and uh, she may be coming on board. Is it? Is it Daniel Harris? Please no, it's not Daniel Harris. Damn it! Damn it! And <laughs> now everybody, right and now there. and now everybody that knows me is now laughing because because I asked if it's Daniel Harris. <laughs> you know what's funny about Daniel Harris is is I've met her once. She doesn't know who I am because I've met her like once in my family. I was like, hi. <laughs> you know, uh, but she's probably the only one that I really had never like fully gotten to meet. And I was hoping to get to, to talk with her at, at uh, age 40, but she wasn't there because she either just had a baby or she's having a, a I baby. I think she's having it. Yeah, so, it was, so she wasn't there. Um, but again, you know, one day our paths will, will cross, I'm sure. And then you'll get a phone call. And then, and then, <laughs> then I will bring you to set. <laughs> With a bag over your face, and then <laughs> reveal, and there she will be. 
and then I can die happy. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can I get that in writing? No, no. Then um, she, no then you she, have it on tape. Yeah, I have it on tape. Yeah. <laughs> then she'd be like, "No, why do you have to take that off? That was the best looking thing I've seen." <laughs> now, see, I don't know if that's an insult to you or an insult to us, because this is the best looking thing she's seen all day. Oh, is no, a no, 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 and she's no. been seeing us all day. <laughs> well, well, well. Let's let, let's digress. Let's digress. <laughs> but yeah, you say you, you're. You've been with abnormal attractions for the solo. We've been with Black Sun for like five years now. I know, it's just the game. It's just what we do. We live with, they're like children. Hmm. A friend of mine, Justin Beam, and he was involved with uh, with Halloween Trankus for a while, and he was a writer for Fangoria. That was one thing he had said to me many years ago. He goes, films are like our children. You know, you, you, you nurture them, you feed them, you're writing our scripts, right? They grow up, you start making the movie, right? Now they're in their, their teens, and then eventually distribution. You have to, to let them, them go. You have to fund them and <laughs> pay for them, and... And then, you know, when you live with them forever and there are pains in the asses and then some days they're great and then hopefully by distribution time when it's time to let them go, you're proud they grew up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made the joke when we were doing Black Sun because I counted how long it was from, like, conception to shooting and it was nine months. Mm. And I made the joke. I said, well, I said, we were pregnant for nine months. There you go. Now, we're, now, yeah. now you're now, ready to deliver. Now we're, now we're delivering it. I have to, uh, yeah, so... It's so true, though. It is. Any, any filmmaker can relate. Oh, yeah, any filmmaker can relate. It's tough. But, yeah. So, um, I, I think, I think, got anything else? You, you got anything you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I should have made notes. No, no, you No, um, have, have you seen the new Halloween? I have. Yeah. I have seen the new Halloween. I, um, I saw it opening night. So I actually I. was asked... We were in California, and we had the opportunity in, when we were in Pasadena to see it in a pre-screening. And uh, we declined to do it because oh, uh, it was tough. It was me, Jason, and a buddy of ours, Jack Norman, who... Oh, there's another topic. Oh, good. I, 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 I got something for you. Um, but this guy, Jack Norman, who uh, is a huge Halloween fan. He's a filmmaker from Ohio. He's in Cincinnati. Uh, we all wanted to see it back home with some of our friends. He's he's uh, got his uh, girlfriend that he wanted to see it with, and that's why how they met. They have a daughter um, that they named Lori Moon. Which uh, oh my god, there you go. Awesome. Some Halloween references there. Um, and uh, so he's a huge Halloween fan, but he wanted to see it with his uh, girlfriend, and I wanted to see it with uh, my fiance, and also with a couple of friends here that uh, enjoy the Halloween franchise like us. So we declined to go see the pre-screening mm. there, which probably would have been, been cool, rough. but it was tough. Oh my god! But we saw it here in New York opening night, and we we, we uh, you know we had some fun there. We brought I think we brought like thirty people to the oh, theater. Man. So I'm sure Trankus and Universal and Blumhouse are all pretty happy with us <laughs> there. You know, we we paid our dues. Um, but speaking of which, the guy Jack Norman, I I'm doing a movie. You talked about what's coming up in the future. In April, I'm supposed to go to uh, Ohio to shoot the sequel to The Wicked One, The Wicked Ones. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, 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 uh, I'm in that, and uh, Jack Norman was the actor who played the serial killer, The Wicked One, in the original film, and now we're doing the sequel, which is really fun. They're actually running an Indiegogo campaign as we speak. Uh, you can find it on Indiegogo. It's The Wicked Ones. Uh, the director, Tori, is a great guy. They got a really, really cool idea. Um, and again, it's uh, it's uh, by popular demand. They they got a sequel out of it, mm. so uh, I'm excited to be a part of that. I'm excited to shoot that, and uh, it'll be an interesting experience, not having any control whatsoever of anything other than just acting. <laughs> there you go. So, it could, but see, the problem is when I act, I, yeah, I goof off too much. The thing is, I would hate myself. When I'm a director, I'm serious. I got <laughs> oh, yeah, to work. Too, yeah. When I'm acting, I'm I'm like that pain in the ass actor, like <laughs> trying to have fun. It's like, yeah, baby, let's do it. Right, yeah. And then also action, and then it's all right. Yeah, one minute. Right, then. No. <laughs> 
But uh, where's yeah, my sad fees, bro? Is that, yeah. is that, give me what, the M and M's, only the green ones. <laughs> is that one of those things with me? It's like for some reason, like, um, like I like being in con- like I don't want to say like I'm a control freak, but it's like I like having being in control of a situation. Thank God, because I'm not. My yeah, experience is all over the place. Yeah, I, I guess being a director is being a narcissist, right? Yeah. In a way, <laughs> no. but, but, but but it's like I try not to be. But it's like we all try not yeah. to be. It's 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 I don't know. It is true though. Naturally, directors are able to command the ship. They're able to. They they have to be in control because they can be in control because they like being in control. They want to be in control, um, and and also they're able to right. And they're able to motivate people too. They're able to get the experiences out of their actors. They're able to create distrust with your actors, and you're able to get the performances out of them. So, I don't think it's a bad thing that you that you enjoy yeah, being no. in control. I just think uh, it's only bad in the way that you use it. If you're using power um, in a negative way and to, in a degrading way to people, then obviously that's really really bad. But if you're using your power in a way to create good art, to get experiences and emotions out of your actors and actresses, and to make sure that your ship is being guided the right way, you know, and not wrong. You know, then it's all good. It's not it's, it's, I'm not like one of those people that's like control, but it's like let's just say like you give a little bit of power to someone else, like a producer, like hey, can you do this? And then they go go off to do it, but you're used to doing it yourself, and but you want to know like hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going? On? That's my thing. It's like I have let's say like Chris, I have Chris running off to do here's a location. And he's like, yeah, give me like a couple of days. And like the next day I'm like, hey, did you get it? And he's like, yeah, I'm still talking. Yeah, it's hard. I'm just like, you have like That's hard for me too to relinquish power because the thing is, but that's a good, I think that's a good trait is to to just constantly be on top of things. But it's true. Like I have a problem with that too, which is patience. It it, it is. And you have to be able to just trust your people that you've either hired or you work with your partners and make sure that they, and you know that they're going to do it. Obviously, if you don't hear back in the week, then obviously, but yeah, yeah, it's obviously, tough for me too. Like problem, I, yeah. I get because then it's like you know, then why not go just go do it yourself? You yeah. have you have to trust the people that you bring on board, and that's just something that people who always are in control have to be able to learn. Mm. Something else that I just thought of that I wanted to briefly touch upon. There are some shorts that we just finished um, with some great people. I like to plug. Um, one is called Meditation. It just mm-hmm. won an award at the Cutting Room Film Festival. It's uh, We produced it. I co-directed it with Gil Brando Acevedo. Gil Brando's a great friend of mine. I've worked with him many years. Since the yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's a really great guy. Came on early on, and uh, it was his first directorial debut. Oh, wow. And uh, First movie he directed, so yeah. And uh, he did a great job. I'm really proud of him. And uh, the movie's called Meditation. It's something totally different that Fuzz and the Lens has never really done before. Um, it's a dramatic piece, but it's got some satire in it. It's got some humor. It's got some horrors. It's got. It deals with so many different um, topics that are happening right now in society, like gender, and um, it's a really cool project. And uh, hopefully, you guys will get to see it soon. Another one is uh, a film called The Garden, which uh, it was another friend of mine, dire- uh, uh, Ed Heavey. It was his directorial debut, and uh, he was. Um, he's the. He's in Gotham. He's done the Mama's Boys with. Uh, not Mama's Boys. Uh, um, that was that called Inside Story with us. He was the guy with no teeth and abnormal attraction. Um, he just did a, a thing. He was uh, he has some PTSD, and so he did a film about a soldier in you know uh, war PTSD, and uh, that's a really cool project that we just did. That's just finishing up now. Um, and then and then uh, Bottle in the Smoke, which uh, was yeah, that's, that's old actually school. one of my favorites. That's old honestly. school. Yeah, old so school that was. one's finally. Finally, you know, it was one of the first things we shot, I think, with the red, and it got tied up 
initially, you know, with some editing stuff, and it was supposed to be a short, and then it was a feature, and it was short, so now it's a feature. We have a really cool feature out of it. We had to shoot some additional scenes to tie it up once we had a whole thing, and we're finally finishing that up now. It, everything's shot, everything's done. Now we're in the final stages of post-production before we go to scoring and dialogue, um, you know, uh, sound fixes. But uh, that project's really, really cool. I can't wait. The guy Craig Pisani, who wrote it and directed by Jack Hartnett, um, it was I starred in it, which is you know interesting, and I'm excited to see how people respond to that because I'm I'm a lead in, in the movie, and uh, it was a de- it was definitely challenging because the film is a full dramatic thing. I, yeah, I saw the trailer. Really cool. dramatic piece, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm a goofball, so how the hell <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how that works out, but uh, you know we're all proud and happy this project. Again, it's another thing that you would never see or haven't seen from Fuzz in the Lens before. And uh, again, it's just to show that we, you know, have range. We can do many different things. It's not just your comedies and your horrors. We we can do some dramatic things as well. I feel like your Google Calendar kind of fits the colors of the rainbow at this point. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying. You know, we we like to get our hands in everything. Our motto is uh, entertainment, and there's many forms of that. Whether you like to make someone laugh, someone scared, someone cry. (laughs) Um, Speaking of horror movies, have you guys seen uh, that thing on Netflix, Haunted Hill or whatever? I'm just about to start. I, I'm on episode two. My brothers finished it already. They loved it. Everyone's been raving about it. I'm absolutely petrified right now. Why? It's so good. It is so good. Oh, wow. It's 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 funny that you mentioned like because a lot of people were talking about like it's the scariest thing on Netflix. Um, during the summer, uh, there was this other movie called Veronica. Well, I haven't seen. It. I gotta check it out. And everyone was like, it's the oh, scariest thing ever. Good. And we're watching this thing like it was good. It wasn't great though. But it wasn't like. Why is everybody saying like? I'll say I don't get like, scared really. You know, when when you're where the guys behind the camera, we kind of know all the magic tricks, mm-hmm. right? But I think this this thing, at least so far, I'm only halfway through season uh, season episode two, season one. So I think there's only one season, mm-hmm. but I'm halfway through the second episode, and so far I'm thinking it, I'm loving it. I'm thinking mm-hmm. it's really cool. There's some really really scary moments in it. Um, it's an interesting, different story. You know, it's a story that's told a lot of Haunted House. We, we hear those. But they're doing some different stuff in it that I, I, I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, so I'm definitely recommending that. So uh, whoever is uh, doing that show, you guys can send the check uh, to the plug. <laughs> there now. you go. Um, um, but another thing, before someone ha- – I'm trying to plug everybody's stuff that we're doing with them. But I know I'm going to forget something. Someone's going to piss. But Craig Lloydgren's special also. I'm sure he talked about it. Oh, Married yeah, yeah, and miserable. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be exciting. We did that. Really, really, really fun. Last night I was with Mike Sicoli, who's a comedian. He also oh, was doing Mike's this stuff. Amazing. Mike's so unbelievable. Funny. He was at the St. George. Uh, I introduced him. He did an act there. He was uh, at the Married and Miserable thing with us too, with Craig. And he's got such a fun thing. I'm so happy for him and, and what he's been doing. And uh, I'm really excited to see where that and other things that uh, that he's got in the works uh, takes off. I'm curious to see where all that goes. I know. We had, we had Craig on. He was an hour and a half of just... Non-stop jokes. Non-stop, non-stop jokes. energy. You know, guys. I'm surprised he wasn't doing the interview standing on the chair and and you know bending down, ripping his pants because he's done that he in a couple did. of comedy he shows. Did. He almost did a couple of times. I was like, "Whoa, Craig, calm down." Oh, uh, he's great. Craig's he's awesome. Oh yeah, he's so cool. He's so great. One of the most genuine guys. with the good guys here on Staten Island. You know, that's the thing is Staten Island's got a great community of of talented artists whether it's you know the filmmaking or comedians or writers or whatever you know special effect guys uh, musicians there's so many great talented people on Staten Island and it's just it's cool when we find each other you know because for so long I was unaware of the community on Staten Island 
Uh, and then eventually, little by little, I started seeing it. I think I was having this discussion with you, Jerry, a while back. Right. That I felt like such a, an ass because I never went to these events. And, and I started hearing from people, oh, the Fuzz and the Lens guys, they think they're too good for, for any, anybody. They don't come out to any of this stuff and support. And that's so not true. It's just we didn't know of them. You know, we just were doing our own thing, you know. It's all I get. We had no idea. And then once I found out, yeah, once we found out, I'm so supportive of you guys and and obviously Chris and of of Provenzano and and Michael Robert Anderson and Lloyd Grin and just so many guys that we'd love to collaborate and, and, you know, support any way we can. And, and, I mean, I just plugged half the island of filmmakers. (laughs) Mike Margeri. Who else can we get in here? You know, so uh, south to north, you're on this one. Yeah, I mean, there's so, and I'm sure, and I know there's a lot more than I'm forgetting, and some really, really great people. But uh, this island's got some great talent, you know. And, and thank God they put a film studio. I'm just pissed off they did it before I did it, but uh, you know, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's cool. Uh, it's I, up, it's I, running, it's back and forth. It's yeah, opening, it's not opening. It's there. It's, I just read something in the paper today. Yeah, I saw that. That said, they're sh- they've been shooting stuff there. They're doing some daredevil things. Um, some other show, Blue Bloods, over there, mm. I think. So they're they're working. Unlike the wheel that's gone now, you hear about oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah, thank God. I, I was convinced. I'm like, we're going to get another type of Hurricane Sandy, and that wheel's just going to the wrong way. It's not going to go yeah, in right. the ocean. It's going to it's going to go the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, so they don't they don't have that, but uh, you know they they put. But they I love what they're doing with that area. You got yeah. uh, Vin Vicente and what him and, and Doreen and Luann are doing one. at the St. George Theater. Unbelievable. Oh yeah. my God, he's a huge hustler. The guy's unbelievable. What but him him. And what Doreen and, and Luann and the whole St. George Theater staff are doing over there and their entire board is fantastic. I am so happy with what is going their on with that theater. Their renovations are beautiful. Unbelievable. Great supporters of the arts and the community. And and I, I give all the credit in the world to them. I really, really do. You know, we I love going over there. I'm, you know, I'm there all the time at their events. they got great events. You know, they really do. So there's a lot to celebrate. I'm just going to leave it off in this glass question with you. So with all the times that you've done, like, your film stuff with people and things of that sort, what was your favorite time that you went out to, like, a diner or something with that, like that with those type of people? Did you ever have a time where you, like, swarmed out a diner and stuff like that <laughs> after a set? Yes. The one that comes to mind, I'm sure there's more, but the one that comes to mind is actually after we shot Abnormal Attraction, we went to Broadway Joe's. Oh boy. With Ron Jeremy. Oh, oh, oh my god. The kitchen I can only the, imagine. The kitchen was closing. And they kept they kept it open for us. We had wings, we had some drinks, and Ron doesn't actually drink, but uh, he had the wings. And uh, we had such a fun time. And we were trying to keep things low key, but how can you keep anything low key when you have Ron Jeremy with you and you're going out in public? Uh, but you know, we had such a fun time hanging out. We just, and that was the first thing we shot from Normal Attraction. Oh, really? Very first thing we did. We did it with Ron Jeremy. We got the stuff done. It was all that, that, um, I don't, won't say what it happens for those who haven't seen it yet, but, yeah, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but it's a cool surprise, but yeah. we just shot that scene and, um, and then we go out there and it was funny. The next day I'm in the gym, I'm in, uh, I'm working out in the gym, with my brother and my friend and. All of a sudden, I see on Instagram, hashtag Ron Jeremy's on Staten Island, Ron Jeremy's on Staten Island, he was in Broadway Joe's, and people on Facebook are talking about it. And then a friend of mine comes up, and he goes, all right, what'd you do with Ron Jeremy? I said, what do you mean? How'd you know? He goes, if anybody's bringing Ron Jeremy to this island, it's you. Tell me what you did, what's going on, what's happening. Hashtag hold my weight. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, you know, that was... um, that was one of those cool moments where it was like bringing a bunch of people after set, hanging out, and uh, it was cool that it was with somebody so iconic. Yeah, right. Was he uh, was he flirting with anybody? 
<laughs> was he flirting with anybody? I, 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 mean, I say I mean, everyone was flirting ask. with him. <laughs> I mean, you got to ask. I'll tell you this. There was a girl there, and he was very polite. And he goes, the girl asked to, if he could, she could, if he could sign her breast. So he did. Then he asked if he could make out with her. The boyfriend was there. Uh, oh my god! And he oh asked boy. the boyfriend, "Can I make out with your girlfriend?" And the boyfriend said, "Yes." Oh my god! So he did. And then Ron turns to me and goes, works every time. All you have to do is ask. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, how does this happen? But, uh, I mean, he's a pro, literally. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, my God. Talk about magic on that one. Yeah. Oh. No, but Michael, thank you so much for coming on for the podcast. Oh, thank you for really having me. Honored, honored to be here. Honored to, to come down and uh, see the studio and everything. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had a camera. No, but uh, it's really great. I'm so you know so happy to be here on uh, your 14th uh, episode, and I, I wish you luck on many, many, many more thank you, thank and you. your growth, and you know keep doing it. Thank Don't you. stop until we get a camera. Thanks, until guys. Thank you. Well, there you have it, guys. Episode 14 of Collective Podcast wrapped up with Michael Levy of Fuzz on the Lens Productions. Christian, how are you feeling? Really good. <laughs> no, um, it was great. It was a great conversation. Uh, learned a lot about uh, just filmmaking and stuff. You know, always a student of filmmaking. Always want to learn. Always, and Especially with me, I like, I like a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, especially conceptually and where people started out and how they began... Uh, it brings the human out of anybody, especially yeah. knowing those stories. It makes the world that much more relatable. So it's yeah. always nice to have people share their stories, such as like what Mike has done. We're definitely going to have Mike back on yep. soon. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, so we're going to have him back on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get, uh, one day we'll probably get everybody on. The whole Fuzz team on. Ooh. Like, we'll, uh, we'll have a... Uh, they can lend us a couple microphones. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a, uh, a summit. Well, we'll have a fuzz on the lens summit with everybody, and uh, yeah. So um, there's that. So some programming alerts next week. <laughs> the alerts. Next week is our big um, Larry Sharp interview. Christian, Christian, Larry Sharp is going to be something that we're gonna remember for the rest yeah, of our lives. Yeah, I'm gonna be asking. And I him, hope I'm fully responsible. I'm going that. to be asking him a lot of interesting questions about New York especially what's going on with like a lot of things that are going on politically in New York so I, I'm really excited about that we have him for about an hour right yes, so, and, yes so. and guys uh, I'm going to give you a teaser I'm going to ask him how he likes his eggs oh yeah that is the but, most um, in-depth of my questions for everybody that's listening if you go on uh, I think it's pinned if you go on the Caputo Caputo if you go on the Collective Podcast Facebook page it's pinned to the top it's also, if you're floating around Facebook, you got the sponsored post, too. Um, there's uh, a post uh, where you can ask questions. So if we have time at the end, I want to get to viewer questions. So if you can guys comment on that, um, ask Larry Sharp some questions about just, you know, anything New York that, you know, if, if you vote for him, if you want to vote for him or whatever, anything that you want. And a big shout-out for Joe Volante asking his two wonderful preliminary questions those questions you will be asked thank will you will be Joe. hearing and of course Joe Larry Sharp and of course Joe we couldn't go to the podcast without mentioning you it's going to be like that for the end of time yes so Larry Sharp next week and then after that I don't know but future is always uh, being written 
but we have the big one next week. Awesome. Can't wait. Jerry. I you love you. Thank you. So, um, everybody, like and subscribe. Keep following us. Like us on Facebook, Collective Podcast. Like Fuzz on the Lens, their Facebook page, uh, their YouTube page. Find find them on IMDb. Find them on YouTube. Watch all their great stuff. Find them in my house. Yeah, you'll see them all around Staten Island in the tri-state area. Go to a convention. You might find them. You might find them running around. They're, they're always roaming around. They're always pounding the pavement. And yeah, so um, that's pretty much it, Jerry. You, 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 you'll have anything to promote, right? I don't think so for this one. Okay, promotions so will always be saved for a later so Jerry, time, and we have some good stuff to Jerry, say. About. Jerry doesn't have anything to promote. And uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so I guess I'm signing off now, Jerry. Bye, people. We love you.